The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Friday episode of Brutal Nation. This one here I'm going to call Freaky Friday. Yeah. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the hooker with no booker, Tammy, the streetwalker Underwood. Say, you need some company? Tam. <laughs> Looking for a date? <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh I my only God, know that because awesome. I've seen a lot of sh- movies, but whatever. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> roll with it. Yeah. No, I hear you chirping, Big Bird. I hear you chirping. <laughs> oh my gosh, now my eyes watering. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode, I think, is going to be amazing. Pretty- it's brought to you by the letter P for prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Sesame Street. <laughs> Can we say prostitute, boys and girls? <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's the count. <laughs> one, one prostitute. Two, two prostitutes. Can ah, we say ah, prostitute ah, boys ah, and girls? Ah. That's from Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm kind of digging this one because we did that episode before with the, right, the that, that I presented with the Muffin Man. Right, right. And now you're giving me Hansel and Gretel. I am giving you Hansel and Gretel. It's from Germany. Actually, technically, it's Hans and Greet, but I'll get into that in a minute. Hmm. Yeah, and I even talk about it. Similar to the case we presented about the Muffin Man, there's another popular fairy tale that is reported to have a sinister origin, and that's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Now, according to some records, the fairy tale told by the Grimm brothers about two siblings who got lost in the woods and are forced to find shelter is not nearly as horrific as what really happened with this brother, the Real life brother and sister. Um, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm wrote the original story of Hansel and Gretel in 1812. They were historians who collected stories from local folklore, which they compiled into a written account. However, when it was first published, the tale that was told wasn't anything you would want to read to your children to get them to go to sleep. Um, it was told to them by a lady, a lady named Henriette Dorothea Wilde and her older cousins actually gave the Grimm brothers a verbal account of what really happened with Hansel and Gretel. Now, I'm going to go through a little history of it first. Um, in 1314, Europe was devastated by what they called the Great Famine. And according to historical records, this was a dark chapter in the history of Europe when approximately 25% of the population died. Apparently, a good portion of the elderly population chose to sacrifice their lives by starving to death so that their younger generations could live. Now, there are written records dating back to 1315 that say, quote, mothers were to be fed their children. However, according to some historians, that wasn't the worst thing to happen during the Great Famine. It suggested that people were so hungry for something to eat, they resorted to digging up corpses in the cemeteries to feed themselves. Yummy. Jerky. Yeah. Well, we've heard about that before. Remember that those people, that those brothers yeah, out of uh, the Middle East. The Middle East, yeah. Yeah. So according to Henriette, due to the popularity of the names Hansel and Gretel in Germany at the time, there was no way to actually pinpoint what family the siblings really belonged to. Instead, they began to represent all of the children who were starving during the Great Famine. Some people were so hungry that they resorted to cannibalism to survive, eating their own children. So now, here's a question. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. I eat 
my girlfriend. Does that make me a cannibal? You're disgusting. <laughs> I wanted to throw There's that in. There's a difference in. between eating out and eating. <laughs> Just saying. There's a difference between eating out and eating out. It's the price <laughs> of the bill. <laughs> and sometimes it's more expensive to eat out. <laughs> Yeah, no, sometimes, some, sometimes, trust me, I've been married a few times. I know. How much that shit costs. Yeah. So some people, like I said, they were so hungry, they resorted to eating their own children. Then there are other parents who chose to send their children off to the woods where they would either starve to death or they would have to find another way to survive. And knowing that Hansel and Gretel became a symbol in this dark history makes the tale even more heartbreaking. Now, according to the original story from 1912, the tale of Hansel and Gretel always included child abuse, starvation, cannibalism, and murder. However, it was not the stepmother who was the perpetrator of the abuse, but their own mother. Suffice it to say that the Grimm brothers never intended for their tale to be told, uh, their tale to be a story retold to children at bedtime. However, as with a lot of manuscripts from that time, the story and the characters would evolve as well. Right. Right. So in order to understand the true aspect of the story told by the Grimm brothers, one must first understand the devastation brought on by the Great Famine. For instance, the original story wasn't about abuse of parents in history. It was a tale of sacrifice and survival. Hansel and Gretel's parents wanted their children to survive. They wanted them to get away from others who might want to harm them. And at the same time, they didn't want to see them suffer. So they were sent away. The story was ripe with symbolism. For instance, it became the gingerbread house became a symbol of hope in desperate times. But just like any other form of hope in the world, obstacles stood in the way. In this case, that was an evil that had to be destroyed in the form of a witch, who was a symbol of the Great Famine itself. But why the stepmother? Because it's like, okay, if it wasn't really about the parents, why bring in a stepmother? According to historians, it wasn't uncommon for parents, both mother and father, to be accused of infanticide throughout history. However, in those cases, back in that time, only the mothers or stepmothers were charged with a crime. The men weren't held accountable. As it should be. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> right? This is why we get hate mail. I know. I know know this is why we get hate mail. This is why people hate us. (laughs) There were other similar stories through history as well that were similar to the tale of Hansel and Gretel. And when you put them all together, you see where the Grimm brothers draw their inspiration from. So even before the Grimm brothers released their version, there had been other historical accounts. For instance, in the 17th century, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Gian Battista... Basile, an Italian poet, published a story of Nanillo and Nania. Nanea. Wow. I, it's N-I-N-N-I-L-L-O and N-E-N-N-E-L-L-A. It sounded like your tongue was tripping. It kind of was. Like, seriously, like it was walking down the street <laughs> went, and all of a sudden it went, whoa, hey, what the hell? I <laughs> stepped on marbles. <laughs> Anyways, in this story, the loving father was forced by his evil wife to leave his children alone in the woods. Although he took them there, he tried leaving a trail of oats for them to find their way back, but the oats were eaten by the donkey they had with them. My you know, son? Damn ass. <laughs> Did you just say your son? Yeah. Not oats, honey. I don't see him eating oats. <laughs> then there was another story from Romania called The Little Boy and the Wicked Stepmother. 
Now, this one is really weird. In this story, the wicked stepmother forced the boy's sister to cook him and serve him for dinner to the stepmother and the father. Unbeknownst to the father, there was a son. But that's not even the worst part. Before she cooked up the brother, the sister removed his heart. And while her unknowing father and the wicked stepmother were enjoying their meal, she took the heart to a tree in their yard and buried it. The following morning, she took his bones to the tree and buried them. Eventually, he came back to life as a plant from the buried pieces, and he burst into a beautiful song that killed the stepmother when she heard it. God, I know a dang. lot of symbolism there, huh? I bet you it's not. I bet you the song's not staying alive by the Bee Gees. Uh, no, I don't that's think my, so. That's my because that's the one that you that you do uh, CPR to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then there's a French version called La Petite Pouchette, I think is how it's pronounced, or Pouchet, P-O-U-C-E-T. In this story, a destitute woodsman was forced to send his two little children out into the woods in order to keep them alive. But at some point, they were spotted by a cannibalistic ogre who tried to eat them, but wound up eating his own daughter. Damn ogres. There's always <laughs> a problem with ogres in the forest Unless all the Shrek. damn time. <laughs> Shrek was okay. He could chill, but yeah. damn it. Every time I go into the forest, there's always an ogre. Right. But you see kind of uh, the tales told through time. Right, right, right. Right. Now let's get into the true story of Hansel and Gretel. A different version of the original tale was published by a man named Hans Traxler in the 1930s. It was titled, and I know I'm going to mispronounce this one. Because it's German. It's Die Wahrheit über Hansel und Gretel. I think that's correct. I think it is too, because I do know a little bit of German or how to pronounce it, which actually translates to the truth about Hansel and Gretel. Although I will get into this version of the story in just a moment, I want to let you know what he bases information on. Suffice it to say, the only thing this tale kind of has in common with the original version was the part about a female baker getting shoved into her own oven where she burned to death. However, this version wasn't a cautionary tale. It was more sinister. And it's about a brother and sister named Hans and Greet Metzler. Now, according to the story, in 19, I mean, I'm sorry, 1618, a woman by the name of Katarina Schraderin, S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R-I-N, lived in the mountains of Germany. She was an exceptional baker who would take her sweet creations around to different fairs and outdoor markets near Nuremberg. Although everyone loved the delicious cookies and cakes she baked and sold, she was locally famous for her gingerbread. In fact, everyone who tasted the sweet treat would always ask her for her recipe, which she kept a secret. Now, Katarina wasn't the only baker in Nuremberg. In fact, Hans Metzler was a local baker that began to notice that whenever she was in town, his sales were greatly affected. Since her cakes and cookies were tastier than his, they were a bigger hit, and people would forego his stand to purchase her wares. Now, Hans quickly became jealous and developed a different approach in an effort to get her to share her recipe with him. He would get her to fall in love with him. That was his goal. She'll fall in love with me. We'll get married. Then rather than go after her aggressively, which he probably knew would turn her away, he took the slow and steady approach. He started by casually flirting with her. You know, like you do every woman you see. I do not. I have seen you. I am, well, I, I, I'm sweet and innocent. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You I, flirted with the chick in the bakery at Winko. No, and, I didn't. What chick and the bakery? chick huh? that was over by the dry goods who had to sweep up your mess. Our mess. <laughs> I was just being nice. Mm-hmm. I was being very, 
very, very nice. <laughs> okay, that's what you're going to call it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Hans gradually moved through the steps involved in wooing a girl. It wasn't very long before he began praising her for little things and giving her small sentimental gifts. Now, he was just about through the motions until he felt... He was just going through the, the motions until he felt she would be open to his marriage proposal. You see, he figured that if she married him, she wouldn't have any other choice when it came to sharing her recipes with him. Because, you know, a man in that time had control over the woman. Shut up. As it <laughs> should be. I knew that was coming. It, those exact words. However, he never took into consideration that Catalina wasn't as naive as he originally thought she was. At some point, she became wary of his true intentions. In other words, she had a gut feeling that his motives weren't as innocent as he was trying to lead her to believe. As a result, she broke things off with him, and, became, and he became the jilted lover. Now, if Hans were the average person, and without the prospect of getting his hand, uh, and with uh, if he was the average person without the prospect of getting his hands on Katarina's recipes, he would move on to a different profession, right? I can't make it here because she's, you know, she's driving me into bankruptcy. I might as well find something else to do. Or, or perfect, uh -huh. your, perfect your recipe. Perfect yeah, too, your craft. Right. And, you know, however, if you're paying attention, you would have picked up on the fact that Hans wasn't your average person. In fact, I would classify him as a grade A jerk. He was so infuriated from becoming rejected by Katarina that he set about defaming her character around the area. He started by telling people that she was what Germans refer to as Baker Hex, which translates to Bakery Wicks, which, excuse me, to back up this claim, he began telling everyone in Nuremberg who would listen to him that Katarina's cakes, cookies, and sweetbreads were so delicious because she would use potions and hexes that influenced those who ate them. Now, Hans said all of this because, for one simple reason, if she wouldn't share her recipes, he would ruin her business, right? So it's important to note why he felt this tactic would work. During that time, people feared the concept of witchcraft and were convinced anyone who practiced it was influenced by the devil himself. Similar to what took place here in the United States in 1692 and 1693 during the Salem witch trials, Anyone who was accused of witchcraft was persecuted by the townspeople. Now, keep in mind, she didn't have the option of going to courts and filing a restraining order against Hans for harassment. Therefore, to avoid persecution, she had no other option but to flee the area. In fact, she left one day, leaving all of her, so suddenly that she left all of her possessions, with the exceptions of her recipes, behind. And she chose to hide out in a remote house located near Frankfurt in what was called the Spiceart Forest. Um, and there's a chance that Hans may have felt some type of satisfaction by knowing he ran Katarina out of town. After all, with her gone, his baked goods weren't competing with hers anymore. However, that wasn't the case. Again, since he never got the one thing he actually wanted, which were her recipes, he wouldn't leave well enough alone. In fact, he took another tactic in his pursuit of her recipes. He took the matter to court and had her charged with practicing witchcraft. He was hoping that those who oversaw her trial would find her guilty, which would put him in a position to claim her belongings, even though the only thing of value to him were those recipes. What a dick. I know, right? 
So Catalina was brought back to Nuremberg so that she could be tried for the charges against her. However, this tactic did not go the way Hans had planned. She was able to prove her innocence, which meant she was no longer going to be held in captivity. Now, if she wasn't fed up and sick of his uh, of Hans the first time she fled, him filing charge against her was a straw that broke the camel's back. All she wanted to do was get away from him and his harassment, so she again left the area and returned to the forest and the secluded house she had been living in. Even though Hans had failed at wooing her and having her charged with witchcraft so that he could get his hands on her secret recipes, he wasn't giving up. He was like, you know, a man on a mission. Actually, I say that. I said, hang on. He was either a man on a mission or a spoiled brat. You decide. But he would not stop until he's able to get what he wanted. Therefore, when Katarina left Nuremberg the second time, he recruited the help of his sister, Greet, and the two of them followed her. Unfortunately, she was not aware of their presence, so she unwittingly led them straight to her little hideout. Now, with Greet's help, Hans was able to break into Katarina's house, and once he had gained entry, he commanded one last sinister act. He murdered her. Now, once she was dead, he and his sister had to get rid of her body, right? Right. So they figured the best way to do that was to put the remains inside her oven in an effort to cremate her. Now that she wasn't able to stop Hans and Greet, they set about searching for her recipes. They searched every inch of that inch of that little shack, and they searched high and low in the hopes of finding what they were after. In the end, they didn't even find a scrap of paper that would give them a small clue about how she created such delicious baked goods. In fact, the only link to her amazing creations they found up they wound up with was a freshly baked batch of her famous gingerbread. It seems all of Hans's efforts to get his hands on Katarina's recipes were all for naught, but I'm sure he consoled himself by eating what she had, right? Yeah, probably. Because he's a dick. So with his sister as an accomplice, Hans broke into... Oh, I already read that part. It wasn't long after Hans and Greek killed her before they, before they killed Katarina before they were arrested and charged with murder. Now, during their trial, because they were tried together, which this next part will make no sense because you see it coming. They were tried together in the same courtroom, right? During their trial, Hans again said Katarina was nothing more than a, quote, evil witch. In fact, he claimed that it was she who attacked him so that she could eat him. (laughs) And according to him, he was only acting in self-defense when he killed her. Right? And being the loyal sibling that she was, Greek told the courts that he was telling the truth. In fact, their versions were pretty much verbatim. And since this was an era when all it took was at least two people accusing someone of practicing witchcraft for everyone to believe their allegations were, in fact, true. Now, in the end, the judge had no other option but to rule in their favor. As a result, everyone in the area felt that Hans was innocent of all charges, so he was able to maintain his position in Nuremberg as a respected baker. However, he still had to live with the fact that his confections would never be as good as hers, and he would never know why. Right? Right. So now the story has evolved over time, and hang on. And for for some time after Hans and Gretel... Uh, were acquitted, the townspeople retold the story from one generation to the next. Everyone in the area became fascinated with the tale of Hans and the Baker Hex. 
eventually the Grimm brothers heard it and decided to include a version of it amongst their compilations. However, in their version, Tatanina wasn't just accused of practicing witchcraft. She was a full-fledged evil witch who sought out young children around the area so that she could cook them in her ovens and eat them. But that wasn't the only part of the story that changed. They also depicted Hans and Greet as, as two small children. In fact, literally, Hansel and Greta literally translates to little Hans and little Greet. It's kind of ironic that this story evolved from the siblings being the greedy people who murdered an innocent woman to her being the evil villain who targeted them. That's With, Jack, man. I know, right? With everything that Hans had put her through... All those years later, she still couldn't catch a break, you know? So, I want to talk about some, about factor fiction here. Before Hans Traxler wrote and published the, uh, the Truth About Hansel and Gretel, he was a popular cartoonist in Germany known for his amazing caricatures. His version of the story of Hans and Gretel supposedly took place during the 17th century during the time of the Thirty Years' War. However, according to some people... This book was a complete work of fiction, a satire that was belie- was so believable that he was actually able to convince the entire country that, you know, many people in, and as well as many people in the world that the story of Hans and Greet were based on fact. At one point, someone tried to claim that the story was actually based on that the story was not only based on fact, but took place during the Holocaust. Now, there may very well have been parents that wanted to protect their children from the Nazis, so they sent him to the woods. But I want to point out that the Grimm brothers wrote their version way before the Holocaust took place. Yeah. So, you know, for them, to, so, so for people to associate the horrors of what happened during World War II with a fairy tale, I think is ludicrous. I agree. I agree. You know, so there is one thing we can all agree on. There is, you know, that's the aspect that every version of Hansel and Gretel that has ever been told over the years is definitely dark in nature. And not only that, each one can somehow be connected to one disaster or another throughout history, especially if the parents were forced to use desperate and disturbing acts in order to protect their children. Whether the tale of Hansel and Gretel is based on fact, and I'll let you decide, or if it's completely fictional, it does relay a couple of hard facts about life. People are starving, and they have to make sacrifices, right? Correct. And it also tells us that throughout history, a woman's position in society has not always been favorable. And it shouldn't today. <laughs> Finally, it I'm illustrates... Kidding. I know you are. That's why I kept going. Finally, it illustrates a loss of innocence in some way. Think about this. Look at everything that's going on in the world around us right now, whether it's 2023 or years from now, if somebody else, if somebody gets a hold of this and reads it, every single topic depicted in the story of Hansel and Gretel that I just talked about is still happening. People are still starving. People are still making sacrifices. Women still aren't held to a favorable position in society in other places. You know what I mean? They are here. And children are, I mean, even People are losing their innocence on a daily basis, whether it be through rape or abuse or whatever, you know. But I did find out one final thing, something interesting about this whole story. Despite the fact or fiction debate surrounding Hansel and Gretel, like I said, I'll let you decide. 
There was, in fact, a happily ever after involved. Reports indicate that Wilhelm Grimm and Henriette Dorothea Wilde eventually got married, had four children, and lived a long and fulfilling life. So even if it's true and it was a dark story, there was a happily ever after. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Depends on, you know, if she did her job as a wife. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, okay. I knew where you were going. No, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear okay. me out. Okay. Hear me out. Don't judge me. Hear me out first. <laughs> when two people get married, mm-hmm. everything is all peaches and cream. In the beginning, yes. And matter of fact, throughout the dating cycle and the courting and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you get married. Oh, yeah. And time goes by. And pretty soon, you're looking at that at your lady going, she is a freaking twat. <laughs> and then I she's said lo- that about my husband. <laughs> and then she's looking at you going, what a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you two start picking at each other. Because true. God forbid anybody freaking communicates in this world. That's true, too. And uh, it, when I was teaching an anger management class, I've given this speech many times. We all speak English. Mm-hmm. However, we all speak a different language. That's true. Because how I interpret things might be different than how you present them. Right. You might present, um, like, let's say... Hey, can you go do the dishes as just a you know, kind of, hey, an impassing thing. But I might interpret that in my head as she's calling me a fucking asshole. Like I'm a lazy piece of shit to go do the dishes. Yeah, she doesn't think I help out around the house at all. Right. So I forgot what the hell I was going with that. God damn it. No, but I understand. I'm in pain over I've, here. No, and I've also heard, you know, some therapists and counselors say that. Whether it's intended or not, sometimes... Oh, I remember where it's going. <laughs> Whether it's intended or not, if we're offended by something, you know, somebody says or does, and we don't discuss it with them, every little thing they do after that compounds that insult or hurt. And that is correct. That's You know, because you start reading it, okay, well, they said this once, so they must mean this now. You know? So we're talking about the, 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 bound, the, the bounds of matrimony. Yeah. So, like I said, everything starts off peaches and cream, and then pretty soon you realize that this, you know, that you really aren't in love. And nobody Uh, communicates, so nobody sits down and goes, hey, look, I'm having this problem. This is what you're doing, and it's it's affecting me. Right. Let's talk it out. And then when they do, if one person's an excellent communication, like like me, I'm a great communicator. For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. (laughs) I mean, I do have my moments, but we all do. But, um... If one person's a great communicator, but their partner is not, you sit down and go, hey, look, this is what you're doing, and it's it, it's upsetting me. They might hear that and interpret that as you are attacking them. Right. No matter how you phrase it, by the way. Right. So it, both partners need to be extremely good. Oh, no, I understand what communication. you're saying. Totally. And that's, uh, you know... That, that's one thing that um, I'm thankful about my relationship with Dawn is, is that we've learned to communicate. Okay. Fairly well. Um, it's not always effective. I was going to say, is it effective all the time? I would say probably 95% of the time. Oh, really? About 5% of the time, it's not. But that's that's because of me, because... Well, okay, you remember when I sent you the text when I was having an argument with a record label executive? Yeah, 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 yeah. The producer. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I get in those modes, and I'm pissed off at the world. Yeah. Because something big is going on, and I'm irritated, and 
I can't reach out and punch anybody, so then I act out. And it's it's my bad, and I end up apologizing because right. I'm a dick. Well, because I, mean, I remember that text specifically because I was just like, you know, I haven't heard from you. Are you okay? Those were my words. Oh, and that's exactly what I meant. Are you okay? Because I haven't heard from you. You and I usually talk every day. And so it's like, and you're just like, I'm sorry if I can't, you know, answer the call 24 7 I'm like, that is not what I said. Yeah, (laughs) that that was my failure in communication. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, I mean, we worked it out right away, but yeah, I see where you're going. Right, so I think a lot of things come down to communication. And when it comes to Hansel and Gretel over here. Yeah. I think that there's an air of truth to it. I think there is too. Um, The main thing is communication. Yeah. Because if you think about it, so (laughs) this asshat, if, if it's true that he killed this broad, that had better wares, people around, it's amazing how mass hysteria can affect people. Yes, that's true, too. So you got a bunch of people, well, she was a witch, she had it coming. She was a fucking baker, dude. Right. She got killed because she wouldn't tell this asshat how she makes her, uh, how how come her shit tastes way better than his. Right. And uh, it's, communication can work for the good or the ill. And in this case here, it's working for the ill. That's true, too. When everybody's going, well, it takes two people to point and say, that's a witch, so it must be a witch. No, it isn't. No. You have two idiots here. Right, because I can't make it as good as her, and I'm a man, I should be better. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Exactly. So, that's that's my thoughts on it. Oh, no, I I kind of totally agree with what you're saying, in a way. I'm over here sucking on a candy. I was wondering what you had in your mouth. <laughs> His name's but Bruce. But I didn't want to ask. His name is Bruce. Hey, you called me that the other day. I did? Yeah, because you were trying to say Tammy, and it came across the other word. <laughs> T-R something. And I was like, oh, tranny. I am not. I am not that. I'm sorry. And you're like, whatever, Bruce. And I'm like, oh, that is horrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dick, man. You kind of are a little bit. You want to add something to this one, or are you just no, going to tag away? All right. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, wherever you get your blogs. There's going to be a link in the description leading you to our Etsy page. Yep. And our Facebook group, and our Citizens of Brutal Nation Facebook group. Come and join us. Become a citizen of the Brutal Nation. Yeah. Finally. There's no test. I promise. Unless you're a cute Asian girl. Until you, and, shut up. I knew you were going to go there Let again. Let me test you. Oh, yes. You are horrible. What? Okay, fine. Nobody test drives vagina before they buy it. Well, I'm the only one. Some people don't, but yeah, normally they do. I'll give you that. Exactly. Jamin I will Christmas. give you that. <laughs> I do know some people that never did, but you know. Whatever. We call those idiots. Yeah. I mean, I even know a couple that got married and had never kissed. Right? Until they were at the altar. And I remember telling her, because she was a friend of mine. I said, you want me to kiss him? I'll tell you if he's good. <laughs> Don't, I'll sacrifice you for gotta it. you got to test drive it. you know, Because he was very good looking. But yeah. I, I had the same discussion with uh, my drummer. Because my drummer was a virgin until recently. I know. And um, I said, man, what if you two get hitched and the sex is trash? Right. You know, you, you don't buy a car. Without test driving. Without yeah. te- you test drive it first. Yeah. You know, take it for a spin. If they, if it runs great and you're like, hey, this is the car for me, that's fine. But if you're going, oh, man, this thing here runs like a, like a, a tin can on wheels. <laughs> like a rusted out Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> Citation. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe it's not for you. Yeah. 
All right, this show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.